All right, let's kick it. Happy Sober Day, friends, and welcome to the Sobriety Diaries. My name is Nate, and I am a grateful recovering alcoholic. That may sound crazy, but I wouldn't be where I am and helping others without it, so for that, I am grateful. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we talk to other recovering alcoholics and addicts. We hear their stories and hope to help others who may still be struggling. Today, we are chatting with Ross from North Wales in the UK. Hey, Ross, how are you today? Hey, Nate. Lovely to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for making time, my friend. What made you decide to share your story with us today? Um, basically, for me, I want to share my experiences in, in life with um, addiction, mental health, and just my process of getting through that. I've been documenting it for a little while now on YouTube and things like that. And I just want to be able to be a person who can um, who can show people that it is doable. Um, and ideally, I want to hold myself up and just be, like, you know, warts and all and just say that I've done absolutely everything you can think of, drugs and alcohol-wise, guys, and there's absolutely no shame in it. You can you can recover from it. And if you're in that position yourself where you're trying to get out of it, I can... I, I would always like to, you know, help anybody. And if me talking about everything I've done in my life helps even one person, then it's all been worth it, right? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That is what prompted me to start all of this. So we are, we're right there on the same page. Thank you. <laughs> Do you feel as though your sobriety is in jeopardy today? Um, not today, but I mean... I would consider it pretty safely, um, like I will never go back to drink or drugs ever again. I am, at this point, uh, I mean, I have friends who ask me, um, you know, now and again, friends will say, hey, do you, do you never get tempted? And it's, I, I get tempted. Like, I mean, I think, you know, you're only human eventually. Right. Like, I mean, especially right now it's summer so and everyone wants to go to the beer garden. Everyone wants right. to, you know, sit back, relax. And it's just like you always used to do. But I'll just, I went last night and um, I just had soft drinks all night. If I have just one sip of that, I am throwing away the last two years of sobriety. And one night of getting drunk and doing drugs or whatever it is that I might end up doing that night is nowhere near as satisfying as waking up another day completely clean, you know? <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> I think you you nailed it with that first drink leads to who knows what i will that will lead me to beyond <laughs> and i know that yeah. with that first drink i will be back to that place so quickly uh you know it won't take 10 15 years again to progress to the place where i was oh, no. you know it, it'll be in the blink of an eye so i think uh perfectly said yeah oh you'll pick it straight back up to where you used to be well with that let's open the diary on ross take it away okay so um basically my relationship with alcohol started when i was around 14 at the time um drinking in britain is a huge huge pastime it is literally the national pastime hmm. if you're not drinking and doing drugs when you're a teenager are you even really a teenager in britain <laughs> uh, that, that is genuinely what it is like here in britain and it's i feel it's only gotten worse as time has progressed so uh, I was introduced to alcohol at an early age, around 14. 
Um, and at the time, it was a means for us all to socialize our friendship group. And something changed around about when I was 18, 19. I, became, I realized we would just, like, we would only ever go out and just drink or whatever. Eventually, I got into uh, smoking weed as well, somewhere along there. And that kind of, like, alcohol kind of became like a crutch for me where I would just, I would use it to hide my uh, my social insecurities very, very well. I would hide, I would, I, I convinced myself I was a boring person without alcohol. I convinced myself I had no worth unless I was the drunk guy at the party, you know, and, you know, everyone liked me when I was drinking and it didn't help. I would have constant negative reinforcement from people saying, oh, you're boring when you're not drunk. You know, as you grow older, you realize that's not necessarily the case. It's just you don't have the same interests as them. So you've got nothing to talk about. And it takes a really long time for you mentally to develop that understanding that you don't have to be nice and liked by everyone. You know, there are going to be people in your life that you're just not going to get on with. Um, but when you're 20 years old and you're nervous and you get kicked out into the world, you just think like, oh, no, everyone has to like me. Okay, I'll just get drunk all the time. So then um, at the peak of my alcoholism, um, for reference as well, I'm, I'm 30 years old now. Um, at the peak of my alcoholism, around about um, 20s, up until I was about 26, it was heavy drinking pretty much regularly and there was no recreational drugs other than marijuana. Um, and it was just awful. Like looking back, it's the, like my 20s are a complete blur. Mm. I did nothing of note. I, I literally drank my 20s away. I look back now and in the two years I've been sober, I've been sober two years coming up on August the 24th. Great. Um, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, in those two years, I've accomplished more in two years of sobriety than I did in, what, 14, to, 14 years of being um, an alcoholic or drinking. Yeah. And um, my alcoholism was very much, I wouldn't say I was your typical alcoholic. This is a very big... Um, this is a very big thing um, that people misconstrue about alcoholics is that they, um, they, they're they the type that wake up and drink and they have the shakes and all that. Right. And that is absolutely a thousand percent true. There are people like that, but you can have, there are many different um, people on the alcohol spectrum. For there sure. are high functioning alcoholics. There are alcoholics who, I mean, you can be an alcoholic and you drink once a week. I was an alcoholic that drank about every other day. And I would be drinking up to um, eight pints of strong white cider, which is seven and a half percent. I'd be drinking that. I would be having at least four pints of uh, lager with it as well. And then um, on top of that, any any like weed, cocaine, anything I could get my hands on on top of that, as well as um, spirits as well. And that was like every other night. Mm. Um, I would just like, and my pattern was always the same. It was like, right, <laughs> get drunk. Have a, have a recovery day where I just eat everything on the planet, which is another <laughs> side effect of yes. alcoholism yes. no one tells you about because you're trying to replace all those calories that you <laughs> right. just injected in yourself straight back on it the next night. And that process, yeah, carried on until I was 26. At 26, I got introduced to cocaine. And uh, that changed things for me very much so in life, obviously, as you imagine. I've never met a story that like got cocaine introduced to it and got better. That kind of just put a new life into me with alcoholism because now I had a drug that could keep me up all night so I could mm. drink all night. 
and I am fairly sure I have added some serious, serious mileage onto my body in those three to four years I was doing cocaine on top of uh, drinking. Um, one thing I know I noted um, is I never let myself get in trouble financially. I never let myself get in trouble financially, but it was excess money. And I was filling such a hole in my life, right? Um, I, I've learned these things now through sobriety. This is the cruel thing about um, about getting sober, is you only find out you were doing the things you were doing when you're sober. Right. You don't get that realization when, when you're in the midst of it. Right. When you're in the grips of addiction, you cannot, you cannot comprehend why you do the things you do you need to be sober and then like then you get the period of reflection where it's like i was speaking to another alcoholic yesterday Mm -hmm. and we were reflecting and talking about we numbed ourselves for so long with drugs and alcohol that you almost don't know who you are as an adult i started drinking alcoholically as a teenager as well and once the fog is lifted, I didn't know who I was as an adult. Yeah. The The hindsight, like you said, and looking back and learning new things is a, a huge part of recovery. And I I think a great one. It's it's new, exciting things. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the key um, elements of it because then you do begin to find yourself. Because I had no fucking clue who I was in my 20s. I was, just, I, was just, I was just a kid being dumb, drinking, partying, and just like trying to have fun, right? And then I realized everyone else was growing up around me and I was still like trying to get drunk. And um, I kind of came to a realization, which is how I managed to um, stop. Um, Cause it was actually completely by accident I got sober, which <laughs> I accidentally got sober. It's the Good fucking- accident. Good accident. <laughs> yeah. So um, I organized like a big trip to Blackpool. I don't know if you know much about Blackpool. I don't. But, um, yeah, so Blackpool is like a rite of passage for everyone who is an alcoholic in Britain. It is, it is Mecca for alcoholics. That town does not stop. It's essentially Las Vegas for Britain, okay. but seedier than seedy. And you can just go there and everyone is drunk. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Like, you know, we were going into the pub at eight o'clock in the morning and everyone was already on it singing Tony Christie songs and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, just like that level. And we were like, oh, we're home. Right. <laughs> my people. So, maybe, yeah, exactly. So, um, we did Blackpool. Um, I I must have bought, I think it was about an ounce of cocaine for it. I did it all in the day. Um, at one point, you're just doing you're just doing cocaine for the sake of doing cocaine. At one yeah. point, the fun the fun stops. And then um, I was thinking, I was sat in the bed sit in the hotel. I were I had actually gone to bed before everyone else because I was just done. I was so like exhausted. My body had been like, can we do any more to please, it? <laughs> please, <laughs> yeah, yeah, constant spirits, alcohol as well, just like nonstop. I mean, easily spent about three hundred quid just on alcohol. Mm. And then I was lying in the bed and I was like, we've kind of like completed it at this point. Like, where do we go from here? You know, like, what do you do? Like, there's no, what's the end game here? I'm just going to die. Mm. <laughs> that's that's the only end game to it. I'm a very, I'm a person who needs a purpose to everything I do. I, that has always been a thing. Like, I'm very, 
unmotivated by um, typical things that people get motivated by, like um, money, women, whatever, you know, things like that. Just, it doesn't interest me, you know, give me a purpose, give me something meaningful. And I kind of like realized I was just doing absolutely nothing of note in that regard. And then um, after Blackpool, I kind of just went into hiding for a month and I didn't speak to anyone. And I didn't realize it, but like a month had passed and I hadn't like drank and it was the first time since I was a child that I, I had been sober for 30 days consecutively. And I realized that was something I didn't want to let go of. I was like, right, okay, let's just, let's just see how we do. Let's just see how we do. Yeah, test and it out. Exactly. And I never looked back after that. I have been sober for two years. Um, and I, it's the greatest achievement I have ever had in my life. And I would just continuously make an absolute asshole of myself in public. And to escape that reality, I would continue to get drunk <laughs> and then find new ways to make an asshole out of myself. Sure. <laughs> and because uh, I look back on it now, I, like the reason I'm laughing is I can look back on it now. I'm a jovial person, I, I genuinely find humor in everything. And I can look back on it now and laugh and just be like, oh, you're a dickhead, <laughs> you know. Um, but you look back and you go like, wow, what a wasted opportunity in life. Like if I had started what I do, like what I do now because I'm a content creator and whatever, if I had done that when I was 14 instead of now, how far in life would I be? You know, yes. it's, it really does make you think. And the problem is, I mean, you can... It, it takes such willpower to want to quit when you're an alcoholic. It's the strangest thing. It really is. It doesn't, you know, you're doing all these bad things to your body. You know, like, I can't tell you the amount of times I was lying in bed at six in the morning with a, with a nostril full of coke, thinking, right, okay, here's the big heart attack. This is the one. Because I'm a very overweight person as well. I like, I, I weigh like 400 pounds at like peak, right? I'm, I'm, which I'm not shy about disclosing either. And I was just constantly already had anxiety about my weight and stuff. And then it was like, right, let's do a load of cocaine <laughs> on an already overstressed heart. Right. And see what happens. So you're Scary. lying in bed with the palpitations and your anxiety is through the roof. I had like countless panic attacks. And that didn't stop me. And that wasn't enough to stop me. I am envious of people who can just sit there, have one or two drinks, and they're fine. They don't right. need anything, you know. And um, there's tons of studies saying that's actually beneficial to your health. The next thing I know, I I'll be like on top of the table in the pub, right. just dancing and just like leading a chant or something. Off to so, the races. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a huge amount of regret about those 14 years um, because it did shape me who I was to a degree. And I wouldn't be in a position I am now where I can look back and give people advice should they need it or, um, or want it. I wouldn't change that because I like who I am as a person. And I feel like I'm a stronger person having been through that. And, you know, I can look, I can look out, for, look at it from the other side and be like, man, you're really lucky you're alive because you did some shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, so there's always that to it. I would say to anyone watching, just, I would never lecture people either. I've always made a point of that. I don't want to lecture people on how to live their life. Never, you know, it's not my life to tell you how to live. All I can just do is put out into the world what I've done and say, you know, I mean, 
do you really want to be the person who's sniffing drop cocaine off your friend's carpet amongst the lint? Because uh, yeah, I've done that. It makes no sense when you're sober. Oof. When you've just spent £70 on a bag of cocaine and you're in the throes of cocaine addiction, it makes all the sense in the world. Right. That's scary. You probably <laughs> did, didn't even think twice about it. Oh, no, straight down. It will make you do things you never thought you would do. Yes. Um, uh, it's it's a rough road, man. It's a rough road, but like I said, I'm I'm, I'm out of it. I'm I'm thankful for that. My um, recovery has been immense. The feeling, like when I hit one year, man, like honestly, I nearly cried. I was yeah. so happy. Like, which is another a strange thing as well. I did get my emotions back. You know, you were saying about um, you're emotionless. I literally, in 14 years of being alcoholic, I only cried when I was drunk. Never yeah. cried when I was sober. Now, like I, I cry like a fucking baby. Every <laughs> we have fe- we have feelings again. <laughs> Who knew, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Um, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's 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 really a, a crazy thing. Just seeing like I've got I can feel emotions and stuff. Um, and I would say anyone who has mental health issues, like if you're doing any drugs or alcohol, like that is your biggest enemy, right there. I could not work out what was wrong with me. I could not. I didn't have enough clarity of thought day to day to be able to sit down and properly reflect on uh, my triggers or anything like that, which is another thing as well. Ross, I speak to a lot of um, addicts and alcoholics, and there is an overlying mental health um, issues as well. And you had mentioned that a little bit in the open. Do you want to sort of elaborate a little on on your experience with the two and how they are just a match made in hell (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i I got first diagnosed with depression when i was 18 um my dad actually god love him frog marched me into the doctor's office because i was just like i was literally locked in my room drinking every other night i had no job which is um another factor in it i I struggled to get a job until i was 22 because i came of age just as the housing market crash happened and there was no money (laughs) there's no money i live in i live in a poor economic region in the united kingdom anyway um i had no car i had no ability to drive anywhere i couldn't afford driving lessons everything every ounce of money i earned was going into drinking drugs so the doctor gave me like a little sheet they do. I don't know if they do it similar in America, but you get a little sheet and it's a questionnaire and it's like one to 10, like, how do you feel? And I was going like, do you enjoy television? No, 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 no. Um, so they put me on meds for a bit and I, I like, I kind of just like, I lied my way out of it. I was in such denial about my mental health for a long time. Um, at 22, I got a job as a, as a security guard finally. That was like my first uh, real job and it was the only job I could do. Academically, I'm actually quite intelligent, but because there was no jobs, I'm six or five and I could fill a door frame. It's like, right, security is easy money. So I was doing that. It was night shift work and it was absolutely horrifying. Um, the the things I saw in that is just haunting, which definitely um, negatively contributed to my, my already fragile mental health. Through all of this, I neglected to medicate myself other than using alcohol, marijuana, which heightened um, my paranoia. I'm, I'm still in the process of like 
even after two years of sobriety and being able to see doctors and stuff like this, I'm still constantly unraveling everything like in my brain and just finding out why I had certain tics and, yeah. you know, like the, there's numerous issues at work in here. It, there's a very strong relationship between alcoholism and um, definitely anxiety. I think anyone who suffers strongly with social anxiety uses alcohol as a crutch and they don't even realize it. Right. Or they do realize it but they they don't make the connection does that make sense they just yes. go, you know a drink to calm my nerves everyone says that right in reality that's you've got anxiety um depression which obviously as we know alcohol is a depressant so yeah just put them together and congratulations son it, it literally makes no sense for a depressed person i am i'm diagnosed as having depression and anxiety as well and just funneling a liquid depressant into my body on top of that how does that make sense but you know it's just that numbing factor that we talked about i was numb for the better part of two decades yeah absolutely for me um i i think i was replacing and i've I've spoken about this in the past as well i feel i was replacing um the the feeling of uh, camaraderie that i had lost in my teenage years i feel like i was drinking um to my brain associated alcohol with um social endorphins right because that's how i when i was drinking when i was still developing so every time i went out it was with alcohol so in my brain the only time i socialized was when i was drinking of course my brain is going to is going to associate positive endorphins with alcohol so like i kind of damaged myself throughout my 20s i kind of like set i I set a rod for my own back in that regard by not socializing with people outside of alcohol like it created those um those chemical pathways or whatever you want to call it i definitely think that was the um that was definitely like a, a dependency my brain had manufactured itself but um in regards to the mental health aspect of it it definitely like it's clearly a negative effect anyone can see that and once you uh, funnel cocaine onto that i like that's when my anxiety just like exploded like um, marijuana was a heavy theme as well throughout all of this i smoked i always like i, I identified alcohol when i was getting sober as my trigger for other drugs because yes. at least during inhibitions and then i would not touch like weed i smoked a bit when i was sober more so when i was younger as i realized it made me inherently just super paranoid on weed like i could not control my dosages on weed whatsoever so that had to go but i would still drink and then like if i was drinking i'd smoke weed and i didn't have any of like the paranoia or the anxiety or whatever because my inhibitions were already loosened right but alcohol was like the the gate alcohol was the gateway drug here and it's so socially acceptable and available everywhere and offered to you in normalized social situations it is uh it's an epidemic i mean it's a problem it it truly is my main concern now in regards to that is with um, the pandemic is how many people developed into alcoholics staying at home right during the isolation and almost a reclusive lifestyle that we've all lived over the last year and a half we were talking about how amazing it is that some folks have gotten sober over the last year solely on like zoom meetings or zoom interactions with other alcoholics and i was playing devil's advocate and just saying imagine the folks who were 
just sort of on that line or, you know, maybe early in recovery and just the um, isolation had driven them over into a depression or a state of alcoholism. Um, The numbers probably are so astronomic, we we don't even know yet. Think of how big it is in the major population centers. Mm. North Wales is rural. Right. Um, I know personally um, a friend who lost um, both parents due to alcoholism um, to varying degrees, and one of their go-tos was literally like uh, an unfathomable about even for someone who was a hardened alcoholic like myself, yeah. just uh, ridiculous amounts of gin. It should, I think, at least be regulated in some way. Mm. I, I don't know. I, it's it's a conversation for people in far more um, far more intelligent than me, first off, and in um, positions of far more influence than me. Right. It's definitely a conversation for them to have, but it's something that needs to be discussed: is whether or not you know places like Amazon should even, if the online sale of alcohol should even be a, a thing, really. Right. Because you look at it and you go, it's clearly an enabling thing. Sure. Yeah, sure. Do you work with any uh, therapists or mental health professionals today? Um, as of right now, I I have literally, after being registered depressed for 12 years, I have finally been able to see the mental health team for my first ever visit in July. Okay. All right. After. That's progress. It's progress, but that is the slowest progress. That is, that is slow, <laughs> but we are almost there. So I wish you, I wish you well with that. Thank you, thank you. I hope. I mean, I've got inklings of what I like, my motives and stuff, and why I get depressed, and yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, but I need to speak to you know people who study this stuff far more than me. So yeah. Um, hopefully, we can get there. Hopefully. What are you grateful for today, Ross? Um, I'm grateful for grateful for life, man. I know that sounds so so like I'm sure that's the biggest cliche, and I'm sure everyone says it, but it's <laughs> genuinely true. I am genuinely just happy to be alive at this point, and I'm thankful that I found the strength to um, just quit and f- see the beauty in life away from alcohol. There's there is such a a vibrant world out there that if you dare to let yourself discover it you will have the time of your life there are so many hobbies and things and just beautiful avenues and communities of people that you are shutting yourself off from if you're um, a drug addict or you're an alcoholic um that you can you can discover if you if you dare to let yourself just put the bottle down or whatever it is that you do you can you can have a wonderful fulfilling life and trust me when i say there is nothing um there are so many things better out there than alcoholism um if you just try very well said my friend that brings us to the close of today's episode of the sobriety diaries thanks so much for listening today friends and huge thank you to ross thank you so much Uh, I appreciate your openness and and willingness to share your story today. Hopefully you heard something that resonates. And if we help just one person, our job is done. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. YouTube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast or on Instagram 
at the Sobriety Diaries Pod. If you'd like to share your story with me, please reach out at the Sobriety Diaries Pod at gmail.com. Check back soon for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourselves. Bye, friends.